Thanks for tuning in to the Move Mind podcast. This episode is all about goal setting, but specifically how to conduct a end of year review in order to set goals for the following year. So this will be a more monologue type podcast where I'll be talking through how I like to conduct the end of year review process in order to set goals for the following year. And hopefully you'll have a good framework and a clear framework to set your goals in a way that's far more robust than just New Year's resolutions. I've never been a New Year's resolutions kind of person, really. I've always found it laughable listening to other people's only to see them a month later quitting and giving up or being distracted and doing something else. Um, so the goal setting process based around an end of year review is goals based around data, specifically data on how you have lived your life. So it's accurate in how you may then go and set goals going forward. So that is the goal of the goal setting episode. Let's get stuck into how it works and how I came across this method a few years ago and how useful it is. I think it's a great format. So I'm going to share my screen. If you're listening to this episode, it's probably worth having a look at the video episode to see what I'm doing, but I'll do my best to describe it too if you can't do that. So end of year review, what does it look like? You need to have some data on your past year. The reason I wanted to release this episode now is because we've just finished 2021. You should have some information, even if it's just in your mind, on how that year went. And from that information is how we're going to set our goals. Specifically, we're going to use a 80-20 analysis of the previous year to set our goals coming forward. I first heard about this method from Tim Ferriss. I like a lot of what Tim Ferriss does. I also don't like a lot of what Tim Ferriss does. I came across this on his old kind of era, maybe six or seven years ago, on his old blog before he updated everything. There is an article that I will point you in the direction of. Um, here on the screen you should be able to see that. Uh, it's tim.blog and then it's past year review. So if you type in Tim Ferriss past year review, you'll see his approach to it, which we're going to go through later. Um, but for now, um, I'm going to give you kind of my version on how I've used it. But it's based around Tim's idea. He was the first one that pointed me in that direction of how to do it. And I found it to be very useful and kind of interesting and surprising on the 80-20 part of what I discovered. So how does it work? Very simple. The best way to do this is with a piece of paper or with some kind of typing tool, word, notes, whatever it is. You can even do this on your phone, it doesn't really matter. You just need to be able to write something down. You can't really conduct this purely mentally. You are going to list out uh, all the months, so January and then February, March, April, etc., all the way through for the whole year of 2021, if you're going to conduct last year as a review. And then you're going to separate each month down in its respective weeks. So there's usually four or five weeks to every month. So you're gonna break it down into week one, week two, etc., week three, four, five, okay? And then once you break down those weeks or you've written out those weeks, you're basically gonna create a column or two columns, a table if you like. Uh, on the left side of the column, you can put the best moments and people. And then on the right side of the column, uh, or the table you can put worst moments 
and people. So you have a best and worst kind of pros and cons list going on for each week. Let's take you through a kind of example of my 2021 January so you can see and then you'll see that the pattern repeats for every week uh, for the 52 weeks of the year. So January 2021, the best moments and people um, injecting BPC-157. <laughs> What's that? It's a peptide compound I injected myself with in January 2021 after I'd sustained a torn bicep, torn short head bicep injury um, from jiu-jitsu. Funny enough, the worst moment of that week in January was my torn bicep, hence the BPC-157, so they are kind of related. You won't always find that your worst moments and best moments are related necessarily. Um, but on December 23rd, 2020, two days before Christmas, I tore my bicep. So going into the new year, it was pretty miserable. I had my arm in a sling, etc. So it was a real shit start to the year. Um, but to try and fix it, I was interested in injecting BPC-157. So the uh, remedy, if you like, or the starting psychological process of feeling better about trying to fix my injury started around the desperation of injecting myself with this peptide, which maybe is another episode in itself, but for those that are interested, I found it worked quite well for the soft tissue side of things, specifically easing off the pain of the short head, but I also tore my coracobrachialis and I felt like it didn't really help that. But anyway, that's another topic. So in the column of best you put down for week one, the best things that you can remember, if you keep a journal or some sort of day planner or you have uh, your iCalendar or whatever it is, Google Calendar, and you can see what you did in week one of January 2021, great, because that will trigger your memories a bit better. Um, going forward into 2022, try and keep a bit of a log week to week on what the weeks look like. You can even keep these columns going. So starting for February 2021, 22, you can have these columns of best moments and people and worst moments and people for each week and just fill them out as you go because then when it comes to the end of the year, you'll already have it done, which is super helpful. Um, I don't know if you can see on the camera here, but behind me, I have a wall chart where I keep that stuff. Um, I like to do it in a more analog fashion. So best and worst. I had the torn bicep, awful, but I was injecting BPC-157 and that was kind of helping stuff out. Week two, um, best, as a result of my bicep injury, I got into squatting weight on the barbell as a kind of distraction, if you like, and also to kind of improve blood flow and just try and get stronger in my body as much as possible, especially my lower body whilst I was healing. So squatting was actually a really great <laughs> sort of savior for me. Uh, worst moments, uh, we were having lots of lockdowns of gyms and government kind of um, <laughs> tyranny, if you like, here in Canada. So that was kind of a, an example of like the worst kind of moments. And that was starting around like the second week in January. We were drilling in secret uh, and I was actually doing jujitsu drills in a sling. Uh, so I, you can see how this, this works really simply. You just fill out the best moments and the worst moments. Now, you will see also on these table headings, it's got people as well. So moments and people. So you might come across meet 
or spend time with people that you really care about and love and really enjoy their company, that might come up into the column. You know, you hung out with your best friend and you had a great day, whatever it is. You might come across people that were really negative. Um, these might be people that you know. These might be strangers. It might, you might have had just a really awful experience, um, whether they're strangers or friends. If they're strangers, well, you just try and avoid those types of people in the future, right? And if they're people that you know, we'll come to that later. You need to start thinking about how you really want to spend time with this, these people, if, if at all. Um, in my experience, spoiler alert, get rid of them. So now the pattern just repeats. So for week three of January, week four, week five, you just keep filling out the table, best and worst. And what you'll have is you'll have four or five weeks worth of information there for the month of January for you to then use later on. Okay, so that's the first part, is just filling out best and worst and try and, if you're going back for 2021 and you don't have data, just try and use your memory and maybe just use 2021 as a practice run. 2022, try and log some stuff and at the end of this year, you'll have a lot of really good data to go back and look at. Best and worst, simple. The second part of this, I've kind of developed myself and this was only possible after doing a couple of years reviews. So the goal setting um, is in kind of two parts. Best and worst will give you some information, but then also I've put here uh, the monthly total of keystone habits. So what are keystone habits? Uh, I'm not using the traditional definition from the book. I think that's called keystone habits. Um, I'm basically using these, these are habits, these are activities, these are things that I want to do more or less on the daily that I found have contributed to a better quality of life overall. And the only reason I know that is because I've done year reviews implementing them and over the past five, six years I've refined what I try and do every day. You could say maybe in like a routine if you like or a daily routine that contribute to a better quality of life for me. So what are my keystone habits? You can make up your own. These are just what I I do and I break these down into hours, minutes or number of sessions so they are measurable, okay? So for me it's Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, obviously if you've been listening to the podcast that's a bit part of my life, lifting weights, strength and conditioning, that's another part, meditation and I'll come to why that's important for me in a minute and reading. I've played around with a lot of other habits, uh, hanging, so hanging literally from the rings or a bar, pull-up bar for durations. I tried that, trying to do daily hangs. I did that for a bit. That was interesting. Um, breath work. I did some breath work stints for a few months, which was also interesting. But ultimately, after doing the year's review, I realized that these kind of four, jiu-jitsu, lifting, meditation, and reading, actually contribute the most bang for your buck from how you spend time with them. Um, so how much time do you spend with these keystone habits? Well, this is kind of based around an idea on minimum effective dose. Okay, what's the least amount of time I can do these activities for in order to get the most reward back? Okay, Jiu-Jitsu is kind of easy in the sense it's usually class-based or um, blocked out time of 60 minutes. So most classes that I do at the academy are 60 minutes long. 
if I'm doing drill sessions, they're usually around 60 minutes, just because it's an easier time frame for people to work around for training partners and stuff. And obviously an academy is usually boiled down into hour slots, sometimes an hour and a half. But just for sake of simplicity, I keep it at 60 minutes so I can measure that. Okay, Lifting uh, for SNC, same thing, about a 60 minute sessions. Lots of my training sessions are even like shorter than that, 30 to 45, but I frame it again for ease and simplicity, 60 minute sessions. Meditation, this is the interesting one. I found, thanks to Sam Harris actually, through the Waking Up app, 10 minutes a day is perfect for developing the skill of meditation without it becoming uh, framed in your mind as a chore or something that you just end up veering away from. I find it's a super powerful tool to learn how to not think and to become aware that you're th thinking even when normally you'd not be aware that you're thinking you just think automatically and in 10 minutes partly due to a lot of research that sam has done is actually a pl plenty long plenty amount of time to figure out the skill of meditation so 10 minute sessions is how i block that out and that's a great thing for me to do as often as possible preferably every day Reading, I block that down into 25-minute sessions. Why 25 minutes? Uh, if you're familiar with the Pomodoro technique from studying and the learning how to learn world, 25 minutes is kind of the researched number of how much effort you can put into something and then take a five-minute break and then go again 25 minutes. And you can get really like unadulterated focus for 25-minute blocks. So I just block that out as 25-minute sessions. Sometimes if I'm engrossed in a book, it will be, you know, an hour of reading or whatever. I don't really do it by pages um, because some books are uh, more full in their print. So each page has got a lot more words in and it takes longer to read. And some are in, you know, larger font type and less words and they take less long to read. So I actually measure that by, uh, by time for the reading. And those are my... Big four, really. The big four habits that contribute to the greatest increase in quality of life for me. Minimum effective dose, that's up to you to kind of decide for the, each of those habits. And then I'll log the number of sessions or, um, yeah, I'll log the number of sessions for each of those. So as an example, let's say for, for January 2021, 25 hours of jiu-jitsu. 11 hours of lifting, 180 minutes of meditation, and then 15 reading sessions of 25 minutes of pop, just as an example. And it's interesting because you can set your goals around how many sessions a month you want to do for these things, but when you do an end of year review, you'll see actually how many hours you, you spend doing these things. So just kind of as an aside, which was interesting i think i did like 270 hours of jujitsu in 2021 that averaged about 21 hours a month something like that um on average some months was more some months with less injuries and illness and whatever but on average and in my mind i wanted to do 31 sessions of jujitsu a month so every single day but life shows you that yeah that's a great goal to set as a rec recreational jiu-jitsu player in reality you're about eight or nine 
hours short of that each month, so 20, 21 hours, something like that. So by all means, set your figures on how many of these sessions you want to accomplish for your keystone habits and try and hit them. But what you'll find is after a year, you'll have really good data to see objectively if you're actually hitting that or not. And if it's worth your time to keep either struggling to hit it or if you set your numbers way too low and it's actually much easier for you to do more than that. So that's a, a personal thing for you guys to, to figure out. And that's basically it for the month of January. So you've got your keystone stuff and then you've got your best and worst columns. And then you just repeat that for every month. So you're going to go the same for February, March, April, and you're just going to go all the way through for December. This takes about 45 minutes to an hour tops to do all this. Once you've got the breakdowns of all that, and you've got some good numbers there, you're going to go back through your months and you're going to pick out the, the best 20% of the best column and the worst 20% of the worst column. So you're going to do the 80-20 analysis. What were the key moments, the great moments, that contributed to 80% of your well-being? What were the key 20%, the best, the creme de la creme of all the best? And then what was the worst of the worst? So you're going to pick out the 20% of the worst of the worst. Once you've done that, you'll be able to see a real nice refined list over the 12 months of the things that you should keep doing and pay more attention to, judged by the best column. And then the things that you should stop doing immediately from the worst column. Now back to the idea around negative people. If there's people in your life that you know and they're consistently showing from this analysis that they are contributing to a negative portion of your life, you've got to cull them out, <laughs> get rid of them. You don't need them in your circle. You're going to have to pluck up the courage to figure out how to do that. It might be explicitly announcing that to that person. Sometimes that's not even necessary. Sometimes you can drift apart. Sometimes you discover that you are actually <clears throat> instigating these interactions with these people and you're a big part to play because you've got to remember an interaction is based around two people. There's two parties involved there. So it might be you that's actually being the kind of instigator and putting yourself around these people, in which case you've got to take a long, hard look at as to why that is. Sometimes we do strange things that aren't in our best interest because of issues that we have, usually with ourselves, maybe based on past traumas and conditioning and stuff like that. But you have to take a long, hard look at yourself with that, which again, your keystone habits might help you to spot that, especially the meditation bit. You can find out if you're being, uh, if you're sabotaging yourself by hanging around with negative people. Drugs is a really interesting example. So people that have problems with drugs are very often associated with other people who have problems with drugs or facilitate their problem with drugs. Big part in addiction recovery is removing yourself from the environment that contributes to your addiction and changing it, usually around people that aren't doing those drugs. Surprise, surprise. If we are the average of the five people we spend the most time with and three of those people are really negative, you've got to ask yourself, why am I hanging around with those three people? So this point is not actually to be taken lightly. You really want to have a long, hard look if there's constant negativity in the people that are coming up in your analysis. You're going to have to have a long, good think about how you're going to 
extrapolate yourself from that and put yourself in another environment. I did this well, probably about eight years ago now and it was one of the best things I ever did. I became militant about deciding who I was going to hang around with because I realised I was hanging around with people for the sake of um, certain needs that I needed to be met which actually I could have met in other ways but I didn't realise I was meeting these needs by hanging around with negative people. So think about that because it will affect you greatly and it will really help. As it goes for the moments, the, the moment side of it, it's pretty, it's almost simpler than the people. There's not really a, so much of a sociological element to that. Stop doing the things that are negative and contributing to the 20% of negativity, whatever that might be. That's usually based around your decision making and your own self-control. And keep doing a lot more of the things that are really good and really contribute to your happiness and your kind of enjoyment of life and your, more importantly, what, things that give you meaning in life. Life's not always happy, but try and make it meaningful. So do more of those things. And then this analysis of the, the best and the worst, the 20%, the 80-20, this might update your keystone habits too. So for me, playing around with the breathwork stuff, for example, yeah, it was great and it's interesting and I'd do it again, but it's not vital. It's not a key 20% that contributes to my daily meaningfulness in life per se, not as much as the meditation. I would do a meditation session and then breathwork after, but the meditation had a much greater carryover than the breathwork. So after a while of realizing that and analyzing that, I got rid of the breathwork as a keystone daily kind of habit and kept the meditation. Same with like the hanging. The hanging was good for grip strength and healthy shoulders and whatnot. And again, I'd do that at the end of a lifting session or whatever. But reading was way more beneficial for cultivating my own mind than hanging from a bar. So I scrapped the hanging as a daily and swapped it out for reading. And arguably, all the more better for it. And that is pretty much it. It's, it's very simple. I'm going to take you through the Tim Ferriss kind of updated vo version next, just so you can get an idea that you might be able to craft this in a slightly different way for yourself, but it's, it's very simple. You go through the year, you get your data, you split it down with 80-20, you keep the best of the best 20%, you get rid of the worst of the worst 20%, and then you kind of create a list of keystone things that you should do every day. The minimum effective dose of those things that contribute to improving your life basically with minimal investment but maximum reward. Tim Ferriss version then. So he basically says get through your columns positive negative same idea go through each week jot down on the pad any people activities or commitments that triggered peak positive or negative emotions for that month. So on the commitments front it could be a job right you could be in a job that's shit but you're committed to doing it but it's making you feel awful you're gonna have to have a long think about whether you want to keep doing that job in my opinion so that's commitments is another sort of category that he uses what 20% of each column produce the most reliable or powerful peaks so if uh, on his front he says based on the answers that you get take your positive leaders and schedule more of them in the new year. So leaders might not necessarily mean people, it just means the things that are leading the way in the positive column and just do more of them. 
um, book it into your calendar, take the negative leaders list and just get rid of it. Just figure out how to remove that from, from your life. So that is pretty much it. It's super simple, but super powerful. You will be able to go into 2022 with a clearer understanding of how you behaved in 2021 objectively or more objectively than just setting a arbitrary New Year's resolution which might not be founded in anything behaviorally sound in the way you actually live your life and thus reducing your ability to commit or achieve that goal. It's a bit of a waste of time doing it that way. Just set it up based on the data you had from the year before. And you'll find after like five years of doing this, in my experience, you get some really interesting habits and patterns and you can see your, your growth. Another thing that I would add to this review, which I've just reminded myself there, is one thing I do when I go back through the year, just for me personally, is I jot down firsts. So what things did I do this year or this past year for the first time? You know, starting a podcast or injecting myself with some strange peptide chemicals or whatever it is, just random things. Because I have a pretty adventurous and exploratory mindset in general, I'm quite interested to see what things I did for the first time ever across a 12-month period. Um, maybe you'll discover categories that relate to your personality type that you can look back on and just can find interesting and then that will help you set more of those kind of ideas for the following year. So for me, being adventurous and exploratory, firsts, doing things for the first time, relates to being adventurous for me. So I find that interesting, you know, whether it's traveling to a country for a first time or, you know, undertaking a new project. So that might be something that you want to explore too, like what is your nature, what is your character, what's your personality? Is there an element of how you live your life that you can also add into this coming year based on how you lived before. So give it a go. I'd be interested to hear some feedback if you if you like this approach. I found it very useful. I continue to do it every year. I quite enjoy looking back over the, the past year and seeing and remembering some of the good stuff and then also wincing a little bit at some of the bad stuff and realizing, wow, that was a that was an error in judgment on my part. Let's try not to do that again. Thanks for listening to this episode and my goal for this year for the podcast is to be releasing a lot more of these kind of monologue based episodes discussing interesting ideas, principles and systems that you can use to get the most out of making a meaningful life. Thanks for listening and I'll catch you next time.